This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. This is the American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex as always. Yo. And our favorite recurring guest, Ryan Williams. Hey, guys. Happy to be here as usual. Coming to you on Wednesday evening. Looking forward to the early match, 7.30 a.m. Saturday, Eastern Standard Time, as Everton face Crystal Palace. We will be previewing that match very shortly but we do have a couple of news bits and what's been a largely quiet week on the news front. But we did want to touch on a couple of things. The first thing being uh, the announcement and reveal of two prominent Megaphone logos. Of course, Megaphone being owned by none other than Alisher Uzmanov. Um, so the club revealed two two logos that appear on Goodison Park. Um, and apparently it seems to be an extension of the existing sponsorship deal between um Everton and USM Holdings, which is his the parent company of Megaphone. Ryan, walk us through a little bit of maybe the implications of something like like this, I guess, reveal. It's kind of weird because it's not like Megaphone is readily available and purchasable or as a service within England or the UK. So that's a little curious. I, I don't know. I swear to God, they're just putting up some signs as an excuse to say, no, no, this is a legit investment. Give us the market value so we can <laughs> spend more in the transfer window. Uh, I mean... I guess global branding, uh, it must have been just part of the deal up front. Maybe he literally sat there and said, boy, those towers look a little little bare. You know, let's put some lights on there. I, I don't know. I don't think the, the one thing that's important is that people have to realize and people keep asking and saying, when is he going to formally invest? I mean, he couldn't invest more at this point. I think the idea that he's an arm's length away, he's not really for purposes of any sort of accounting or calculation. He's a related party. But the point is him not being an owner, in essence, can invest uh, directly through his firm and his holdings. And one thing to consider, too, is they used to be you know, metal averse and, and, and like a mining company and more industrial. They spent some money on esports, some other things where it's truly more product, product oriented. They could market. So I think we're going to see an increase in vol- involvement in terms of branding and how to raise the brand name and idea of USM in general. Because look, around the world, do people know what USM even is? I, we know what it is because we apparently love love this guy. I don't know. I, you know what I mean? It's There aren't that many big clubs out there that are in big competitions, that are in the Premier League. Um, there aren't that many opportunities. I know we think about, wow, that, what a waste of money. It's not. We think about how few opportunities you have to have something out there that people all around the world can kind of see. And while I don't think they're going to show the front of Goodison Park too often, uh, it's something worth noting. It is presence within Liverpool. And I think the intent is for them to continue to invest in development and real estate around the region too. So um, I wouldn't think too much of it, but I do think it's uh, forthcoming or the beginning or maybe entry of a lot more branding of some of the other uh, types of brands that the holding company is uh, over the top of, for lack of a better term. Makes a lot of sense. It's just, I think it just, for the fan base, it felt kind of odd because, you know, th- those sorts of things are generally speaking some sort of announcement, right? Like the Monster Energy drink, that one it was, 
seemingly so small. Some, some people, I bet a bunch of people don't even know that we're sponsored by Monster, right? So it just felt like that was going to come with some sort of announcement or information and it never did. So I guess really the only plausible explanation is kind of what you said, Ryan, like it's just one of the brands under the holding company and, and this is part of the deal up front. And maybe, you know, the big news wasn't megaphone signs and instead it was a uh, $30 million or pounds for the uh, naming rights. I mean, look, we just talked more about megaphone than I probably have ever spoken about megaphone <laughs> in my entire life. And that's worth something, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Now, I'm, maybe I'm stretching. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't think of anything else really beyond it. Free advertising. We're going to have to send Usmanov an invoice for this. What I will, what I will I say is that, problem. Yeah. Uh, what I will say is, is I've seen some mockups of the USM logo and the megaphone logo on our kits. And it is night and day compared to what we have currently with sport pays and angry birds. It is sleek. It is sharp. It is clean. I would buy 10 of those kits in a heartbeat. I'll say that much. Yeah. I'm all for that. Yeah, it looks awesome. The other thing that to consider is that it is looking likely, I don't know, likely is maybe a strong word, that um, the FA is going to come down hard and tell and, in essence, mandate English clubs from and prevent them from having a betting company as a sponsor, which, by the way, eliminates like half the sponsors on people's shirts. Blank kits. Yeah. And, and I have to admit, I never really have sat well with me personally, um, Everton in the community being such a prominent part, people's club, you know, it, what you associate the family atmosphere with Everton, um, having sports Pezza on there. I, it just, I don't know. I mean, I don't really care that much, you know, if it gives us more money to spend in the, in the window to have a better team, I guess that's okay. But, uh, is it better than to have <laughs> USM on there? I mean, Alicia Uzmanov is not really known historically as being uh, the most, the cleanest businessman, at least knowing how business is conducted in his neck of the world. I don't know, but they do look nice. I mean, you can't, I mean, they look It sweet. looks good. No, and I, th- I think you, I think a lot of fans object to the, the gambling sponsorships, but it's just become so prominent that, again, if we have no other takers and they're willing to give us the most money, then so be it. But I would personally be in favor of, of some sort of ban. Obviously, you know, it, it's the ethics are questionable, but. As you said, Ryan, the ethics of, of Usmanov himself are also questionable, but I don't think any fans will be complaining if he's pumping tens or even maybe even hundreds of millions into the club to put us uh, in a better position to win on the pitch. But if we go with Hummel, man, I, I'm sure you guys oh, know man. The, the, Ever, the Everton design guy out there. And I'm not saying yes. Hummel's some amazing He designed brand, our logo. Oh, dude, they look oh, – oh, the guy's awesome, first of all. Yeah, His mock-ups, especially the white one with the Hummel and the you know the – Little oh, arrow things so down good. the side. Oh, it's it's awesome. so yes. good. If we went with that, I mean, guys, be honest. Here, here's the other Come thing on. to consider. Here's a lovely segue too, since we're apparently linked to every Napoli player on the earth. Imagine that and us signing Herving Lozano in the summer to preview Ooh. that. I mean, tell me, and, and this is important, actually. We're, we're Americans here. We understand what the North American market is probably better than some of the listeners, but I don't think people realize how big a star he is in North America. I mean, there's really not a single soccer player that you can think of that is more prominent, more noticeable and recognizable than Herving Lozano is in America, too. I mean, the Mexican national team is massive in the U.S., much bigger than the U.S. national team. I mean, Pepsi did a national ad. I can't remember. Maybe it was for the World Cup. It was was, maybe it was after the World Cup. And here were your three guys. Messi, little known guy. Uh, Mo Salah, which frustrates me, but whatever. Ooh. Right. But who was number three? Irving Lozano. Chucky. 
Chuck A, yeah, so I don't think people realize how big that would be just as a business decision. Now, I'm not saying our board and our financial guys know how to capitalize on that yet, but but I got to admit, it's it's interesting, you know, but he's only one of the 15 members of the Napoli team we've been linked with. Although I think the funniest part about it is Labotka, who we were linked with every other window because his agent was constantly trying to push him on everyone else, got signed by Napoli. I love that. That's hysterical. You know what I mean? <laughs> The one guy we always get linked with, where there was no way we were going to take on, goes to Napoli. And even better, all their problems right now, they're blaming on Carlo. So they're in a lovely state of affairs. But I'm sure next week we'll be linked to someone else. Uh, just wait. It's going to happen. Okay, so speaking of next week, let's move into the Crystal Palace match preview, right? So we have Crystal Palace on the weekend on Saturday at home, correct? At Goodison Park. Indeed. So no. we're at Goodison Park. Uh, Crystal Palace sit 14th in the Premier League uh, with 30 points versus Everton currently in ninth place with 33 points. So five places and three points. Three points separates five places from us. So this is, you know, one of those matches in which, you know, they kind of call it a six-point match because three points really decides your fate on this one. So, so their form in the last five is actually three draws and two losses, the two losses being the most uh, previous, the last one against Sheffield United. and. I think it's pretty tough to say that Crystal Palace uh, or, or or that Everton fans shouldn't feel pretty comfortable coming into this match at Goodison Park after um, a sloppy but positive end result over the weekend um, and, and, you know, at home against a side that's not been producing specifically as of late. I mean, if we look at how we played in the second half, I know I know people said maybe we got lucky, but. We, we dominated the second half. And yes, we were fortunate to score at the end. But the only thing that concerns me a little bit, and uh, we talked about it before the segment, is is the red card to Delph. And I know everyone loves Delph being the whipping boy. But reality-wise, who else in central or defensive midfield has any level of athleticism can really actually close someone down? I'm not saying he's the greatest player in the world. He was never acquired to even start. But I don't know exactly who goes in there uh, to shore up to shore up the midfield, frankly. I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think in terms of who we'll line up with. Um, and Palace does some stuff that is not... I, I don't think we need to be too concerned about them scoring a lot of goals. I mean, they didn't score a goal in either of those last two games. Um, I mean, I think they're 20th. I think they're dead last in goals this year, I think. Is that right? I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, their yeah. defense has been pretty good. I think they're 6 in goals against, although their expected goals against is like 13th. Um, Look, they don't. They attack through Zaha. I mean, it's all yeah. left side. Uh, I mean, I think if you look at like, I mean, they don't possess the ball a lot and stuff. But when they do attack, in fact, I think they're last in shots per game too. But when they do attack, forty-five percent of the time they attack on the left side. I mean, it's the highest in the league by a mile. Um, he's the danger guy there. I, I'm also curious as to who they're going to start up front. I, I don't know. They started Bentaki. I think they felt like they had to, I guess. I don't know, rather than Connor Wickham or Ayu starting from the get-go against Sheffield. I, it's not a good group of choices, uh, especially with Jank being out now. And then they kind of mixed in, and they went 4-4-2 in like the last 20 minutes, and they played okay. But I, I don't know. I don't know how that – you figure they're going to line up in their 4-5-1, but I don't know who's going to start up front. And it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, I think I think this one's going to be a match where – of course, coming off the high against Watford, we're going to be expecting a victory, which, as we all know, on we this should. show, anytime we, we expect a victory, it backfires mm-hmm. horribly and we end up with a negative result. But I'm not going there. I'm not going there right now. I refuse to be to have uh, my mood brought down because 
as I'm sure many have seen, we are since Ancelotti's arrival, second in the table on points in those six matches. And I'm feeling pretty darn good. And and we could have probably been, you know, even further away from, I believe city might be third. Um, if we had, of course, not had the debacle at Newcastle, but for this match, yeah, it's interesting. I agree with you, Ryan. The Delph, Delph will be a big miss in midfield. Just again, we're so thin. Don't right say there. that too loud. Don't say that too loud. The Twitter sphere will attack uh, you relentlessly. It's it's hard because again, he it's he he makes weird decisions. But you're right. He does have some sort of game awareness and positional awareness. He's willing to close down players. He offers decent balance as far as getting the ball forward. And I mentioned that in our post-match where, yes, he didn't have the greatest game, but he did take responsibility. And I actually think I said this last time you were on as well. He doesn't hide and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't shy away from taking responsibility when he's on the pitch. And there were multiple times when he carried the ball and beat one or two men with the ball and, and created something on in the final third. And I think he'll be a big miss. And so, It'll be interesting to see who we bring in. I think Gilfie Sigurdsson is probably going to start. And then is it going to be, you know, Schneiderlin alongside him? I think that probably makes the most sense. But a Palace side, like you said, that that really primarily attacked through Wilfred Zaha, who on his day is a, a world beater, but is prone to, I think, come in and out of games and be a little bit inconsistent. Of course, if we were talking about him potentially being an Everton player in the summer, but of course he's kind of their talisman and makes everything work for them up front. Ben Teke, Alex and I were talking off air before the show about kind of his fall from grace. I mean, this is a guy Liverpool purchased for 50 million odd, odd pounds and just the, the quick decline. And Alex talked about, you know, and I remember playing FIFA in like whatever, 2015, 2016. And, Benteke and Lukaku statistically were like the same player. And obviously in reality, that was never really the case, but it's interesting to just see the different trajectories that their careers have gone on. And he's not a player that really, I'm not that scared of, of Benteke leading the line for palace. Although I would be maybe a tad concerned with his ability, his hold up play and being able to bring in the pace of Ayu and Zaha. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see what Roy Hodgson does as far as the lineup's concerned. And frankly, interesting to see what Carlo does. Like, I think we have an interesting conundrum on the left-hand side with Alex Awobi versus Bernard. Which one do you start? Which one do you play? Both in, I mean, Awobi coming off of the injury, Bernard in relatively good form. It's an interesting debate. Alex, uh, what are your thoughts on that left, left-hand side? Honestly, I, 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 I can't really make up my mind, right? So Bernard played two matches ago and... And I think everyone thought he did quite well. And we, we especially like him when he, you know, kind of cuts in and fills in the space in the middle. And he's very creative that way, um, specifically assisting Keane's goal that way, right? Um, yep. So I like Bernard in that role. And, and and a bonus point is the fact that he has a really, really good understanding with Lucas Dean, right? Which which also on the left-hand side makes makes it tick. On the opposite side, uh, I also feel like that is that, that really... F- suits Iwobi and how he plays because we know that he plays centrally for uh, Nigeria and he always performs better centrally. We saw when he was playing kind of a left mid left left wing role and, and he wasn't cutting it as much with Marco Silva. He wasn't very effective at all. I mean, he could retain possession and, and make passes and he was trying to be creative, but it wasn't nearly as effective. So I like both of them. I think they're both perfect for the role. The question is, you know, who's in better form? I think you could argue that Bernard is in better form. And, and I think you can also argue that Bernard's the better player. So in my opinion, um, those two points, along with the fact that he has a really good, solid relationship with Luca Dean on the left and understanding, I think that it makes the most sense to start Bernard. But I really like Awobi. I'd be happy with him on the left-hand side. Yeah, I, I like I like Bernard in this matchup, too. I, I don't think Ward's particularly pacey at right back. Um, 
I, I guess they'll start. See, I, I have a feeling they're going to start IU up top and not start Pentaki. That's my guess. Maybe I'm wrong. They've done it before. Pentaki is a slow plotting. I mean, yeah, he can get his head still on stuff, but I, I just don't see that happening. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong because uh, Townsend can play over there too. But I like the idea of attacking more on the left side. I think they're weaker over there and keeping away from the right. I think Schneiderlin's got to play for better or for worse. I think him and Sigurdsson yeah. would be, just be so glacial in the midfield. But something to think about it is, too, the two mix in the middle for Palace. I mean, MacArthur and McCarthy aren't real quick either. So that is probably our saving grace in terms of this matchup this week. You know, it's not like this is not Watford where you could tell in the center of pitch we were struggling. I mean, DeCorey's yeah. a beast. Those two guys sitting behind him are amongst the better defensive mid combinations in the league. Plus, you're playing, in essence, a defensive mid up in attack. So that was hard. I mean, you saw that we struggled with that at times. Uh, we won't have that problem. I'm just hoping that we're composed with the ball and we knock a couple in early against these guys. But you know it's going to be long ball heaven. So I could see Bentaki being up there as a target guy. But And maybe maybe we see Keane. Honestly, I don't know in the back. Uh, not not Moise. Uh, the other thought is, too, if you're concerned about Zaha attacking, I mean, Theo is a good you know, good worker and good hustler, but he's probably only good for about 70 minutes. I wonder if this is one of those things where you throw Richie back on the right side at some point and when you bring Moyes in, or maybe you play him both up top and put Richarlison out right. I don't know, but someone's going to have to come back and help with with Zaha for sure. Even if Carlo does that kind of setup where he's in essence almost playing a back three with Dean pushed higher and the right back back deep, when he's done that in the past, Coleman has played right back. So It'd right. be very interesting to see how Carlo sets up, but we, we should win this game. I mean, they shouldn't score to me. I think that's important. And and unlike previous episodes, guys, where I have bid with my brain and my heart, and my brain has been totally different with my heart, uh, I, th- I think we're going to win this. I mean, you guys remember a couple times saying, uh, I hate to say this, but I think it's going to be a draw or a loss or something. We're going to win this one, <laughs> I, I believe. 2-0. Uh, 2-0 Everton. That's my like take. What do you guys think? Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a couple more interesting matchups to talk about, but I agree with you, Ryan. This is a match that I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we're going to win. I think being at home, you know, being away at Watford, their midfield were able to maybe dictate play a little bit more. I don't think that Crystal Palace have the strength, even if they throw just bodies into the midfield to try to clog things up. I think we're going to be able to, to find space down the flanks. I think the the matchup with Wilfred Zaha and Jabril Sidibe, assuming he starts, is very interesting. I know CD Bay has come under a lot of scrutiny for maybe his positioning and people have criticized his defense, but to me, just on the eye test, not, not pulling any stats, although he has some really impressive tackle stats, he's a decent one-on-one defender. So I'll be interested to see how that matchup plays out. Furthermore, I think whoever we play up top, I think it's going to be Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, but you could make an argument for Moise Keane to keep his confidence up, give him the start and maybe, you know, move Richarlison elsewhere. But it's it's getting tough up top. It's interesting that we have kind of a selection conundrum up top where our midfield is basically whoever is fit could just get stuffed right into there. So it's interesting for sure. You know, something other to consider too, if you look at um, their goal scoring chances recently, Crystal Palace, a lot of set pieces. Yeah. And the issue there is like Tompkins missed a layup off a corner against Sheffield. Uh, I'm kind of going through the map. Obviously, Zaha is the guy in open play. I Sidibe is a little aggressive sometimes on defense and you know if he has support on the right he'll be okay I'm sure but I hate the idea of fouling you know they have some big guys in the back Tompkins Cahill can get up in the air he's playing in the back now I know they're not quick we know Wilfred Zaha draws a lot of fouls I will say this though this is kind of an interesting set 
We have not had a single penalty goal all year, and Palace has not conceded one. Ooh, so I don't I think like it's going to happen. But but can we? I mean, what does it take for us to actually get a mm. penalty call? Could we possibly have one this week? Could maybe possibly? I don't know who's who's the official, but um, it would be nice. Just saying. Just saying. Well, It'd you know, nice. with with all of that, there's one player that you know we haven't necessarily touched on, and I think this is kind of an interesting discussion point. We've I know we've already talked about uh, central Omar Niasi. Not not quite. <laughs> Uh, I was going to mention Mason Holgate, right? So, Ooh, so okay. Mason Holgate, he's been starting at center back, and I think it's pretty much understood <laughs> that he is probably the current um, starting center back along with Yuri Mina, right? And he's, he's been putting in good performances, although credit to Keane when he came in last time, I thought he did really well as well. I know now, where you're going and I like it. Go. So, go, so go, we talked go. about... <laughs> we talked about <laughs> I'm trying. We do it. <laughs> we talked about Delph in the center of the pitch, right? And he's got a one match band, so he's out. Well, we know that Michael Keane is fit, or at least, well, l- let me rephrase that. We know as of right now, he's fit. And he did pretty well last time they came out. And so could Mason Holgate move in a center midfield? Or do you think that he just keeps him at the back for a little bit of extra pace? Although Mina is not, uh, he, he's not slow himself. Or, you know, do you think that he goes with a more safe option and, and just sticks with Schneiderlin in the middle of the pitch? I like the idea. I do. Uh, it depends if we think they're going to play <laughs> Bataki up top. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yes, I, I would like that. The only the only problem you have there is now all three center backs basically are on the pitch. Um, and good luck if a couple of them happen to get two yellows or something like that. I know I like the idea. I think it's a great idea. I don't, frankly, I don't trust Morgan Schneiderlin against anyone. Uh, the only saving grave, like I said, is the fact that their midfielders are slow. But I mean, is that the guy you want to kind of helping out on the right side and closing down Wilfred Zaha? No, no. Or maybe Holgate. Heck, you could even have Holgate just roaming around, just watching him. I, I like the idea. It would be awesome. I'm sure Carlo will probably think, eh, Let's just keep the ball and let's pound these guys and score a couple goals. But I like it. I think it's a really good idea, Alex. And we've seen he looks pretty comfortable in that role. And certainly he ups the ante from an athleticism standpoint. And that is my concern. When we play those guys, Schneiderlin and Sigurd, cannot believe Sigurdsson's going to play again in central midfield. They're not yeah. athletic enough, frankly. And they get just steamrolled. I mean, you saw it against Watford. Siggy just got mauled a couple times. I swear to God, I thought they were going to have to stop the game and go check on him, for heaven's sakes. I mean, he just got swatted away like he was a fly. Holgate, Holgate does change that. I mean, he immediately eliminates that chance of happening for sure. Uh, and Morgan Schneiderlin tends to get a little little, little reckless sometimes with the tackling. I, I do not want to have too many stupid fouls uh, and concede set pieces against these guys because that is their biggest threat to score. If we can do that, I think we're in good shape. I, I bet you he won't do it, but I like the idea. Maybe he'll do it later in the match. Maybe if the if the alternative, it is nice to have that option off the bench where you can bring Keane in, especially at the end of the game when they're probably hoofing everything up. I, I would, at a minimum, I would love to see it at the end of the game if we've got a lead, Alice. I think it's a really good idea and a good in, point of insight. And he looks good there. I mean, why not take advantage of his versatility? I like the idea as well, personally, especially when you talk again, Ryan, the lack of athleticism between Sigurdsson and Schneiderlin, but not just the lack of athleticism. Going back to what I said about Fabian Delph, just the willingness to take responsibility during the match in those areas in the center of the pitch. We know that there have been multiple, I think, I I may be incorrect on this. There was at least one 20 minute period or so where Sigurdsson didn't even register a touch. And we know Schneiderlin is not one to be particularly progressive with his passing. And I think Mason Holgate kind of 
does both of those things where he doesn't shy away. He, he actually seems like he quite likes being on the ball and he's willing to carry it forward. And I think with him in midfield, he knows that he has guys behind him. And so it affords him a little bit more freedom to sort of break forward and, and do what he does. And again, the added athleticism, the pace, the size um, would be a, a tactical advantage in my opinion, but I, I'm also sort of leaning towards what you said, Ryan. I don't think Ancelotti is going to get too cheeky with the lineup. I think he'll be pretty committed to keeping it as, as similar as possible to Watford and just hoping that we can keep up the good run of form. Well, see, here, here's what it's going to come down to, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who starts. It really actually comes down to one simple thing, two simple things. First thing, can score we pass goals. the ball? Well, no, 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 no. Nothing gets by you, James. And <laughs> score more goals. You hear that, Alex? That, that is insight right there. That is true. We should make can this a we- subscribership <laughs> service. This is. <laughs> Honestly, why don't we do this for right. free? What the hell? Uh, so, so no matter what, no matter who plays, doesn't matter. Can we move the ball up the pitch yeah. quickly? We've yep. seen them make a real good conscious effort to do so. There have been some wayward passes, but I don't think any of the fans really care when you can physically see that they're trying to move it quickly. And and we've got those uh, pacey guys on the inside, like Awobi and Bernard turning and facilitating play. The second thing I think, you know, I, I really don't think that we've struggled to create chances. Our biggest enemy has been our finishing. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. And I really, really, really think that, if I had to pick one thing that is going to shoot us in the foot, it's our ability to finish. And, and I and I know we have a couple informed strikers, which I really do appreciate. But we do have a really physical, compact Palace defense. I mean, midfield even as well. And you know, we've they they've been they've been doing pretty well, as you as you mentioned way earlier, Ryan. They've got pretty good statistics in terms of goals conceded. So they're a solid team, and, and they may not they may not score a whole lot of goals, but they've got a really solid defense. They're going to be compact to look to counter. And we're going to have to move the ball through the lines as quick as possible and take our chances. And we've played some bad teams recently. We have at West Ham, Newcastle, those teams, they're not great. And you saw how we dominated possession and what we did. At least Newcastle, we created some chances. Wofford was different, but this is another one of those teams that they're not great in the midfield. There should be space. Can you finish your chances? It's, it's pretty critical. Um, I, I think Bernard's going to be the guy. Honestly, I think he makes a lot more sense. But yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting. I wonder if he pulls Moyes in to start. I don't know, but we got to win this game. I mean, the bottom line is we've got some tough games coming up, man. This is a big, a big three points to me at this point in the season. I mean, I understand luck ebbs and flows, and I felt like there were some lost opportunities against West Ham and obviously against Newcastle. Maybe we were fortunate at the end against Wadford, but really, I don't think Delft should have been sent off to begin with. And I think we win that one going away in the second half, man. We've got to win this one because then we got a really tough stretch and then we finish with a couple easy games, man. I still say 2 nothing, Alex, you haven't said so. What do you think? Honestly, I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with 3-1. I think wow. that, I think okay. we're going to score a decent amount of goals, right? I, th- I think that we're going to be pretty involved and and I think that we're at least going to score one in the first half. But I, I say 3-1 because as you mentioned, they're good on set pieces. I really yeah. still don't feel like I'm that comfortable with our set pieces. Um, yep. specifically depending on the configuration of our defense and midfield, right? Like Sidibe versus Coleman, you know, who might offer a little bit better aerial ability on, on, on set pieces. So I think we might concede, but I'm not sure that it's going to be, uh, uh, similar to a finish like the left back from, uh, from the match last weekend. Yeah. And, and for me, uh, I, I, I don't see a scoring three goals. I think this is a match where Palace are going to come in and just try to make things as difficult for us as possible. Try mm-hmm. to smash and grab. I think. 
we will find it very difficult to create scoring opportunities just because they're going to be resolute and determined not to concede before anything else. And and I, I really, I feel confident that we'll be able to keep a clean sheet. So with that said, I'm going with a one nil win. I don't think it'll be particularly pretty just because the, the games we play against these sorts of teams never seem to be. But I do think that we'll come away with the win. And I think it will be, you know, a, a continued springboard for the Ancelotti reign and keep us going in the right direction as we head into that difficult stretch of, of games that Ryan mentioned. Amen. I don't know why I said that, but (laughs) I just want to see us win at this point. Oh, it's the first time that we, I think collectively have all felt confident that we can get a result in different ways. Uh, Maybe it won't be clean, like you said, but you know, darn it, it's about time for us to start taking the three points on a consistent basis. So I'm all for it. I'm psyched. I'm excited. I think we're going to go in there and do some damage this weekend. And, uh, I know how good I felt after that Wadford winner. I'm sure wow. you guys felt the same way. I think the confidence in all of us mostly stems from the fact that since Ancelotti has come in, and even actually really since Duncan Ferguson has taken over, we've been getting results against all the teams that we really should be, right? Uh, obviously, Newcastle wasn't, wasn't you know preferred. But in general, we've been performing and getting the results that we should be against the teams that we should be, and this should be no different. And I think that the home fans are really gonna gonna push and and help the Blues out. So, yeah, silver that, side, this would be a silver side. This would be more concerning. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the one thing. It's very obvious. You can tell Carlo is is much more adaptable and flexible and aggressive in attack. You know, Marco is so focused on maintaining his lanes and discipline for the counterattack and whatnot. You can see how Carlo is leveraging the talents that we do have and kind of unwinding some of these teams. So, but yeah, finishing strong and pushing for Europe, man, that would be. I think that's how we want to finish. And I swear if I see another social media post about how it would be better off maybe for us not to be in Europe this summer, I'm going to lose my mind. That's absolutely (laughs) absurd. There is zero correlation between being in Europe and finishing worse the next year. The correlation or the causation is not investing in your squad. And if you look at it the last 10 years, that's not what happens. So, and I sure as heck believe we're going to invest in our squad. I mean, heck, we've got two signs now on the front that say megaphone and those things are worth at least, at least 15 million each, right? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. (laughs) Easily. And you know, (laughs) with all of that said, that's going to do it for us. I know that. So this is one of the few occasions where I've deviated from my trend of not predicting a win. So we've got a unanimous predictions of victory. So it is all logic and reason for a win versus the American toffee curse. And we'll see which prevails early Saturday morning. Ryan, big thanks for joining us as always. Welcome. And we will be with you guys following the match on Saturday with hopefully a joyous reaction. But until then, and until next time up the toffees. Megaphone. Thanks for tuning in to the American toffee podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg slash ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.